Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Church of Roy, a sports drink original podcast. Morning today's show may include adult language. And we're here are your hosts, Brian Wilcox and Steve Ewald. Welcome everybody to the newest episode of the Church of Roy podcast. I'm your host, Steve Dewald, as always. And I am joined by Brian, who I'm actually ahead of in the time zone game. So usually it's the other way around. I'm coming from Texas right now, um, down here for work. Um, Brian, how are you doing? All right, man. Licking my wounds from that uh, Seattle-Denver uh, game last night in the NFL. My uh, my Caesars account is wounded, and uh, I might add a couple cocktails, but I'm here. I'm ready to go. Yeah, it was a, a wild weekend in the NFL. I think uh, if I I think a lot of people's betting accounts suffered, but um, I really wish I would have like bet the over on like missed field goals in total in, in the opening <laughs> weekend. Yeah, or a tie. We almost had a double tie. I really thought we were going to get a double tie to start the start the year, but um, I, I literally watched like seven straight hours of red zone. It was ooh. incredible. Yeah, I was I, uh, I was in a car the whole time, so I listened to uh, like the Sirius XM kind of version of Red Zone, and I think I drove my whole family crazy. So, um, but but That's now pretty I, standard. I'm in, in wonderful Texas. I got to go to a Bucky's for the first time, which is kind of a life-changing experience. And if you don't know what a Bucky's is, it's like a giant gas station where it's like a giant truck stop where trucks aren't allowed. <laughs> they have like big signs, like have like an 18 wheeler with like, it's like red X'd out. And it's, it's a magical place. I mean, they have like a whole deli counter that's just like all jerky. They have like a dessert area that's huge. They just have people just making barbecue sandwiches nonstop. They have like a full sporting yeah. goods section, cleanest bathrooms I've ever been in, um, and like just miles of gas pumps. Like you don't have to wait in line. It's a it's truly like the most Texas thing ever, um, and. and ridiculous and, and that's exactly what i was told it would be and it lived up to expectation but um and then i get to i'm on 
like the Texas Arkansas border. And I get in kind of late last night and I, I don't drink a lot of water out of the tap. I try not to make that a habit. Um, but, but I like, I, uh, you know, I'm taking, I'm brushing my teeth. I'm taking like my allergy medicine and stuff. Um, come to find out like the water here in Texarkana is real sketchy. And they're like, yeah, do, you got to boil your water before you drink it. And I'm like, oh, excuse me. <laughs> like, oh, no. like maybe you should put a sign. So when someone comes from out of state to a hotel, maybe they know not to do that. So I might be returning to Oregon um, and Washington with a parasite. Who knows? So I'm, I'm yeah, going to have some- I mean, we- Go ahead. We we grew up we grew up down river of uh, Hanford, Washington, so we ought to be all right, man. You'll be okay. I I hope so. I I'm just your body's seen some pretty foul shit over the years, I probably. Mean, so I think you're good. I, I run a pretty sterile operation with the amount of alcohol that goes into this system. So, um, between that and some sober day kombuchas, I like my chances. I don't think this Texas parasite's got a chance. So, outside of of gut health. We do want to talk a little bit about basketball this week. Um, training camp is not far away, so we kind of want to just slowly work through the entire roster here. Um, so today we're going to look at three players, or four players, excuse me, that are kind of, don't take this wrong, but they're at the bottom of the roster. They're, they're young guys um, still looking to carve out like a day-in, day-out role. I mean, one player is a rookie here. Um, but we're going to look at these four players, talk about, you know, what a good season might look like for them. Um, what they, the uphill battle they might have in the rotation and and then, you know, what we want to see from them this season and maybe a little prediction from each of us. So Brian, I just want to jump right into it. Let's talk about Brandon Williams. He is on one of the Blazers' two-way contracts, so they have two slots. They only have one filled right now. Uh, Brandon Williams got a chance to play way more than anyone expected last season. Um, He actually, when when the Blazers started kind of tanking, basically, um, he appeared in 24 games, 16 starts, uh, 12.9 points per game, 3.9 assists, 3.1 rebounds. We've talked a little bit about him when we were talking about um, summer league, former Arizona point guard, really high recruit out of high school, but injuries just kind of derailed him. Um, plays at one of the Blazers' deepest positions. Obviously, you have Damian Lillard. You have Anthony Simons now, who's making a bunch of money that is also going to play some guard, point guard minutes. But there is a window open here. There is a chance for him to make it onto just uh, convert onto a straight contract here. I don't know if that's going to happen, but – Brandon Williams, in a nutshell, for me, is just a very score-first dynamic guard, but low efficiency, and I haven't seen a lot of defense from him. So really, my improvement area for him is just raise that efficiency, buddy. Let's let's see if we can get that three-point percentage, you know, maybe to 35%, get it out from under, you know, that below 30% mark. Brian, what I, I would assume it's probably pretty close to that. What, what do you have about for Brandon Williams here? Yeah, I mean, efficiency is the big one. Um, I think, you know, playing with a full, if you were to get some time on the regular season roster here, I think playing with a full team will just cause him to pick a spot a little bit more. And I think that efficiency is going to 
just raise a little bit organically just because the shots won't be there. But, um, yeah, it's just taking good shots. And then for me, his playmaking was another big one. Um, out of the like 22 games he had, he had over four assists like five times, you know. So as a lead ball handler, you'd like to see a little more creation, especially for a guy that's, you know, probably shouldn't be jacking up the majority of the shots here. His, his usage rate should be low with the role he's in. Um, really needs to pick his spots and, and create for others a little bit if he does see the time on the floor. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and as far as him getting an opportunity to do that in the regular season, I think we should look first at the players he's going to be competing with for minutes at that point guard spot. So we've obviously – we've already mentioned Damian Lillard, who's returning from injury. We expect him to be shot out of a cannon this season. So I don't think he's coming for any of Dame's minutes, obviously. Then we have – Kind of, I mean, you have Anthony Simons, who's going to be starting at shooting guard, going to be playing some minutes at point guard, we assume. Then one of the biggest offseason signings for the Blazers this year, additions, is Gary Payton II, who is probably going to see at least some minutes at the point guard spot. And then it kind of gets wide open to where, you know, are you, he's going to be competing with Josh Hart, um, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit of Shaden Sharp, which we'll talk about him in a future episode. Um but there's going to be some minutes there. Um, also, again, it's worth noting that Brandon Williams is only going to spend some time with this team being on a two-way contract. I would expect to see him play in the G League. But as far as his spot in the rotation, I, I think it just comes down to will an injury occur, and, and that's really the only way I see him to like a path to semi-consistent minutes, very similar to what we saw last year. Um, any surprises yeah. there? Yeah, I mean, he's looking at the it's the toughest position on the team to get playing from that, frankly. So mm-hmm. the, the odds of him seeing meaningful time are very slim. But I, I would like to see him in the G League almost exclusively anyway. I know that Portland likes to keep their guys up with the team as much as they can. But I think he's a guy that could benefit from reps um, mm-hmm. and maybe learning just to play a little smarter. And, and not to say he was a dumb player, is weird he was in a weird position last year with the complete lack of you know, talent and scoring yeah. ability on the court. So hard to really judge him fully, but just taking what he did last year and projecting it, I, I'd like to see him play at a, at a lower level for a while just to play, I guess, in a, in a way that would, you know, help the rest of the team out. Yeah. Yeah. So really, I, I hinted at it again, I would like to see, you know, really the true two-way contract slot here for Brandon Williams this year. I would like to see him when, you know, injuries dictate or opportunity arises, him play with the team. But really, I think he would benefit from more time on assignment in the G League. Um, Like you said, getting other players involved, raising that efficiency. um, I think that's the best path forward here. And really, I think if he's able to do that and raise some of those numbers, in my opinion, that is a success this season. And obviously for him, I think the ultimate success here would be is playing well enough to get his contract converted to a traditional NBA contract. Yep. Agreed. I think that's kind of the ceiling for him this year. Um, if he can get a fully guaranteed deal, that's a huge win. Mm, absolutely. So there's Brandon Williams for you. Now let's talk about the next guy on the list. Someone from Colorado, um, Jabari Walker really shined in the summer league, really kind of, captured the imagination of Portland um, as far as just he is a star in his role and really 
that's that's going to you're going to hear that a little bit more in our discussion with Jabari Walker. I, I'm sure of that. But really, for me, um, improvement area for him, I still don't know a whole lot. I would just say, um, I actually I really don't have an improvement area for him. I, I think it's just being like I guess consistency, um, continuing to stay almost in his lane to understand what he is at the next level. I don't think that's going to be a huge issue. I mean, it's something he's talked about. Um, so that's really what I'm looking at from Jabari Walker early on here is to continue to do the little things well. And I don't think that's going to be an issue for, for Walker this year. I agree. I mean, I think that you'd like to see that him show the ability to hit NBA threes on a consistent basis. Mm -hmm. um, he shot 34. Let's see. Actually, close to forty percent his last year in college, but not exactly at a volume level. But if he can hit those, you know, just knock down standstill threes, uh, continue to defend, or at least put out enough effort on that end to be somewhat effective, and then continue to do the things he does right, like be in the right spot. Kevin needs to cut, crash the boards. He's going to carve out a long career in this league. But mm -hmm. to me, it's just being able to shoot well enough that defenses will respect them and, and not allow them to sag off of, you know, him and go over to Nurk and Dame and all the other guys who are going to be filling up on a nightly basis. So looking at the rotation, I think of the players we're going to talk about today, I think Jabari Walker has the biggest window to play regular consistent minutes. Now, do I think that's going to be like a huge role? I, I don't think so, but it could easily be like eight to 12 minutes per night. So really mm -hmm. I, I expect him to compete not only at the power forward position, but I wouldn't be surprised for him to compete for minutes at the small forward, depending on what the lineup looks like for the Blazers. Um, yep. So really I would say his main competition, when you're looking at like players, he's going to directly be competing for, for minutes is Trent Watford player. We'll talk about in a future episode, justice Winslow, um, Josh Hart, Nasir Little, um, maybe a little Keon Johnson, a player we'll talk about today. But I think those are kind of the people you're watching. Um, I think really when you just talk about his ability to do the little things, to commit to rebounding, which we both agree is a potential weakness for this team, I mm -hmm. think he'll be able to get minutes here. I think he is going to win some of these battles. I think depending on how the season flows and if there's a losing streak or an injury pops up, I think Jabari Walker is someone that Chauncey Bills will turn to at some point this season. So that's kind of where I see him in the rotation. I think he's going to get real, like, meaningful minutes. Now, it might not be a lot of minutes, but there'll be meaningful minutes this season. Yeah, I anticipate he'll probably start slow, just being an NBA rookie and getting used to the NBA game and, I think Justice Winslow will be taking up the majority of those back at four minutes with Watford at the five. Those remain to be seen, but kind of mm -hmm. how I see it playing out. So I think a ideal year for Jabari is that um, he supplants Winslow as the backup four. I think that would be just an absolute incredible win as it's the last player in the draft or whatever. Mm -hmm. So damn near. And uh, yeah, I think that with injuries, or guys getting banged up. I could see some spot starts in Jabari's future. Mm -hmm. You know, that's long. And we'll see what Chauncey does. But under Stotts, it was very common to just, you know, elevate kind of a yeah. third string guy or whatever to the starting lineup so you don't 
messed up your rotation. So I think he will start a few games. I wouldn't be sh- shocked if he did anyway if Grant misses time. And so if he comes out and just holds his own in those games he starts while being able to, you know, wrestle some backup minutes away from Winslow, that's a huge success story for him and, and really for Cronin and his first draft. Yeah, I, I think, you know, you make a good point about Stotson. Yes, we're, we're on to a new coach here in Portland, but, you know, we saw this with Noah Vonley. We saw it mm-hmm. with Jake Lehman a little bit. Like and even Nasir Little, but I think Nasir Little was knocking on the door, deserving those minutes e- anyway. But I-, I think Jabari fits that mold. I think under you know a Stotts led team, without a doubt, he's someone to, you know to take that spot to to make those spot mm-hmm. starts when the, the situation arises. Um, as far as potentially some G League time, just because he he is potentially useful right away and, and plays at a position that can be impacted by foul trouble in the front corner. I, I would just rather see him stay with the team. Uh, I, I don't know, unless you're really trying to turn Jabari Walker into a volume scorer in, in the front corner, I, I don't really see the the upside of putting him in a very guard-driven, scoring-driven development league in the G League. So uh, I'd rather just see him stay with the Blazers, stay in their program, see Damian Lillard, see Jabari uh, – Jeremy Grant come to work every day. I think that's the, the way you get Jabari Walker uh, to maximize his potential at the next level with this team. So um, that's my prediction there. I don't think we're going to see uh, a, a G League assignment anytime soon for, no, for Mr. Walker. I don't, I don't either. So I hope not. So I, I think that covers Jabari there. Let's, let's just keep on moving along and we'll stay in the front court. Um, let's talk about Greg Brown, the third. Um, you know, hyper athletic player, uh, big time dunker. Uh, looks like he's really transitioning into you know that power forward, maybe even potentially a small ball five. Um, but just incredibly athletic, very raw. Like he will take some shots that really make you scratch your head. Um, but I, uh, I like what I've seen. I, I was very skeptical of this pick um, last year when it was made. So we'll see how it goes. But um, I I am a fan as far as an improvement area. It is just, for me, come up with a definable strength in half-court offense for, for Greg Brown. Like he is at his best when – the game is broken down a little bit or it's in transition. Um, I'd like to see him be able to either maintain, help maintain spacing or find a way to be an effective cutter or, or do something on the offensive end in half court sets where he's going to be a positive impact for the Blazers. So that would be my improvement area for Greg Brown, the third. Yeah. I think you nailed it with how he's kind of seems like he might be better suited to that four, maybe even small ball five. For him, every time I watch him play. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. I, I, I'm interrupting Brian right now. Hold on. This might be just a seamless transition here, most likely, but I'm going <laughs> to kick it back to Brian. I had a phone call I had to take. Um, so, Brian, you were talking about Greg Brown the third Improvement areas, what you've seen from him so far. Take it away. Yeah. Yeah, so he's looking like that four and five. Every time I watch him play, man, he reminds me of Derek Jones Jr., who – 
to me is a guy that still has never totally figured it out how to impact the game, even when it's not an up and down type of type action. So I think he hit the nail on the head. It's being effective in half court sets. Mm -hmm. I think he has a ways to go defensively, just team concepts and rotations, that kind of thing. He's a guy that I would actually like to see get a little bit of G league time just because I think he needs reps and uh, maybe playing that four, you know, probably something he hasn't done a ton of, but, you know, get a, get a little playing time, getting some reps at, at that position, even if it's against some fear competition, I think would help help his long-term trajectory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think as far as the rotation goes, I, I don't think we need to rehash too much. It's going to be, he's going to be battling with very similar type players that Jabari Walker is um, maybe potentially some more time at the five, you know, competing with your Eubanks, and Trenton Watford potentially at that spot. But as far as G League goes, I agree with you. I think he's someone that could really benefit from being down there for slightly different reasons than Jabari Walker. I think if you want to mm-hmm. test him out in the G League, I think you, I would prefer to see him played as a five and give him some experience against, you know, big fellas. And, you know, there's some grown men in the G League that are, are competing in the in the paint down there. And I think that could really benefit him as far as, you know, just learning that physical battle down there. Um, obviously, our idea of what Greg Brown should be could differ drastically from what Joe Cronin and what Chauncey Billups think he could be. So, you know, maybe he is more of a 3-4. But for me, I, I think it's intriguing. I mean, you mentioned Derek Jones Jr., Part of me just hopes he continues to fill out his frame, um, add muscle, and maybe we can talk about maybe a, a Jared Vanderbilt type comparison, which I think mm-hmm. would be really awesome for for a player I like for the Blazers. Period. Why not just you know have that in house? So, um, anything else to add for Greg Brown? Are we ready to move on to our final person today? Oh man, I think that's about it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's about it on old GB. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about Keon Johnson, um, a player that arrived in Portland as part of that trade with the Clippers um, that sent uh, God, Norman Powell, uh, Robert Covington felt like it so long ago um, to the Clippers and then kind of the poo poo platter that came back to the Blazers um, included Keon Johnson. Again, I mentioned the former first round pick out of Tennessee, um, really not a lot of playing time in the pros. Um, last season uh, appeared total between the Clippers and the Blazers in 37 games, made 12 starts. All those starts came in Portland. Um, combined between both those stints, 7.2 points per game, uh, 2.2 rebounds, 2.1 assists, 0.8 steals um, per game, uh, about a 34, uh, 34% on the dot three-point shooter, and then 35.3% from uh, the field in general. So very similar to Brandon Williams for me. As far as improvement areas, I want to see higher efficiency in those type of situations as far as a catch-and-shoot operator and just making the most of developing into a third option that's on the floor. Um, And then just continue to bring intensity on the defensive end. He is a Mm -hmm. dynamic athlete. Um, covers a lot of ground, plays much bigger than what he's listed at, at just 6'4". Um, you know, very lengthy, can play up a position because of his wingspan, because of his athleticism. So 
for me, improvement area just comes down to efficiency on offense and continuing to be um, a dynamic force on the defensive end. Yeah, I, I don't think he'll ever be able to really stroke the ball. You know what I mean? Even mm-hmm. though he does shoot 80% from, from the line, but I mean, the guy shot 36% from two last year, which is, yeah. you know, with the guy that athletic, kind of a slasher type, you'd like to see, uh, you'd like to see that increase, certainly. But mm-hmm. to me, I think he's got a real shot to get time, even though that two spot is pretty, pretty loaded up. I think we all know that Josh Hart is a trade candidate just with his contract and kind of what's going on there. So that could open up some time at that two, three. If Keon can take his physical talents and make those work on the defensive end, I think that's how he sees the floor, you know? And if he can continue just to, to work on that efficiency, we're not, I'm not expecting a huge jump in his second year in that regard, but I really think he could maybe see the floor just for defensive purposes um, with the size and speed and quickness he, he possesses. So when looking at the rotation, what I worry about with Keon Johnson is I think, you know, of all the players we mentioned, we mentioned, you know, Brandon Williams has a tough hit road to climb too, or road to, to travel on. Um, Keon has maybe a tougher route. You're talking about Anthony Simons, Gary Payton, the second Josh Hart, the, you know, this year's first round pick and shade on sharp. And, you know, Justice Winslow might see some time in the backcourt too. Who knows? Um, he has a lot of competition there. And like you said, he's got to continue to be like that defensive specialist. What I worry about is that's almost exclusively, I believe, what Gary Gary Payton Jr. or Gary Payton II came in to be. And I think that's what what scares me about potential here. So I think it's going to come down to someone underperforming, which obviously once we get into future podcasts, it's not something we hope for. but opportunities will arise, whether it be injury, whether it be someone entering a cold streak. Um, I think Keon Johnson, is, if he stays ready, I think he is someone – he just strikes me as someone who's going to take advantage of that opportunity. And that just comes down to some of, the, some of what I've seen him do on the defensive end. I mean, just even in summer league, really playing with like a lot yeah. of swagger and, and someone who really takes pride on doing the little things on the floor, very similar to – Kind of what Jabari Walker does. Now, granted, Keon's is more directly related to his dynamic athleticism. Um, as far as G League time, I'd rather just keep him with the team. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe if you want to send him down on a spot assignment to, to keep him fresh, if, if there really isn't an opportunity, um, maybe you do that. But I think you keep him with the team. I think you keep that, like you mentioned, uh, an option for a defensive specialist. I mean, how crazy would it be to – you know, when you're swapping possessions or, or playing like a specialty lineup where you could put Gary Payton and Keon Johnson out on the floor at the same time, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, with, you know, a guy like Jeremy Grant, and you can really just put a lot of athleticism, a lot of wingspan on the floor that they can really make life difficult for other teams. Yep, I'm with you. I, I like him hanging around the team. Um, it worked pretty well for Anthony, you know, as a young, raw prospect, and so, um, I'd, like, I'd like to see him continue to do that. I'm curious how just how high the Blazers organization is on Keon since, you know, I think that Norman Powell and uh, uh, Robert Covington trade was rightfully 
uh, criticized. <laughs> but, you know, if, if they feel highly about Keon, a guy they didn't actually draft, which it's a franchise that has a pretty good eye for guards. So mm. I kind of wonder if that was just the best that was out there or if this Portland team really feels like here in a couple of years he could actually contribute. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see how he looks in the second year. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think we're on the same page here. And I, I think if Keon develops into a useful player for the Blazers, it will soften the, the grade maybe that, that the, the Clippers trade gets um, as it yeah. stands right now. That very much just looks like a salary dump at this point, especially after not using Eric Bledsoe's contract to do anything, which – they were unable to do just by how the mechanics of the salary cap worked out this off season. Um, 100%. So I think that's the, that, that covers the four players I wanted to talk about. I, I think we're, we're just going to continue moving forward, whether it be three players or four players, we're going to continue doing this until we get up to the season and we'll sprinkle in news as it comes in as well. Um, mm-hmm. I think I mean, there's something I do want to mention. Uh, obviously, the, the entire NBA community, um, as far as media coverage goes, lost a, a truly excellent human being in the last week. Uh, Jonathan Sharks, a former guest of the show, um, finally uh, uh, went off into the sunset with his battle of cancer. It, it was a, a, a long process. Um, we were robbed uh, of too little time with someone who was truly special, truly kind. Um, I talked a little bit about some of my experience with, with him and really what it comes down to for me was he was one of the first people I interacted with that uh, I got to know that was really doing all of, he was, he was an NBA writer. That, that is what he did. That was his job. He was a professional. And, and a lot of the people I was coming up around, you know, we all had jobs on the side. We, we were bloggers that were doing other things and, and writing was our passion. Charks was one of us and he was able to do it as a full-time job and he was absolutely brilliant at it. And I met him at Hoop Summit uh, a few years ago. He was there to uh, watch RJ Barrett, who was a presumptive number one pick that year. Um, this is before Zion kind of came on. Um, so he was up there watching that. And I remember he has such a, a distinct voice that I remember hearing his voice and knowing who he was and never, I'd never really seen a picture of him before. So I knew who he was instantly just by his voice. And then we ended up going to lunch that day and exchanging numbers. And I just remember him taking the time and how he interacted, because there's a lot of people that you interact with it, it, in the media side of things that just want to let you know how smart they are and how, how they have takes. And, and, you know, I'm guilty of this too. I just want to share my take. And sometimes I'm already thinking about what I'm going to say next when you're talking and sharks didn't do that. He really listened to you. He tried to build off your ideas or helped you tried to help you develop your ideas. And, and in just a truly special human being, a, a rare occurrence at that time of, of people I'd run into that are like that. And we just formed a friendship uh, that way. And then really, he just was always looking for me when we were at events, um, would always find a way to find me and come like at summer league would always know where I was sitting and come and chat with me, talk about the Blazers, um, talk about other things. And then I became a father right before he did. And we talked a lot about being, you know, first time fathers and it was something he was incredibly excited about um, something that he didn't get an opportunity to be or, or have when he was a kid. Um, 
he, he tragically lost his father at an early age. And, and unfortunately, uh, his son is now going to have to, to walk that same road. And I just want Jackson Charks to know that when the time comes, there will be tickets waiting for you in Portland. Um, anything you need. Uh, I truly loved interacting with Charks. He was more than gracious with his time on this show. Um, and truly a special guy. And, and we lost someone special. So, uh, yeah, I, I just want to get that off my chest. Sorry. Sorry, everybody getting a little emotional on the Church of Roy. But um, we lost a good one. And I can't wait till till we meet and talk again. Yeah, extremely well said, Steve. I mean, absolutely brilliant mind and thoughts go out to his family. And I can't I can't uh, do him any more justice than that. So I think on that note, we'll wrap it up. <laughs> yeah, uh, appreciate yeah. everybody listening. Uh, thank you. And we'll see you next week. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Church of Roy podcast. If you like what you've heard, go ahead and subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcasts. And while you're at it, go follow us on Twitter at Church of Roy Pod. We'll see you next week.